4: In this episode of Newt's World, on Tuesday, President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, agreed to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax charges and accept terms that would allow him to avoid prosecution on a separate gun charge. The federal prosecutor who oversaw the investigation and signed off on the agreement is David Weiss, the U.S. attorney in Delaware. While this plea agreement ends his legal troubles, it still does not address questions that many of us have about Hunter Biden's business dealings. After his father became vice president in 2009, he built relationships with wealthy foreigners that brought in millions of dollars, and many have alleged Hunter was cashing in on his family name. Here to discuss Hunter Biden and what we can expect next, I'm really pleased to introduce my guest, Professor William Jacobson. He is a clinical professor of law and director of the Securities Law Clinic at Cornell Law School. William, welcome and thank you for joining me on Newt's World.
3: Thank you for having me on.
4: Speaker McCarthy called Hunter Biden's plea deal a sweetheart deal. I'm curious, what's your take on this whole thing?
3: Well, I think it is a sweetheart deal, particularly if you look at what the charges were and the decisions made at the prosecutorial level not to seek more serious charges. So misdemeanor tax violations normally would not result in prison time. So that's not surprising. But why were they charged as misdemeanors? Why did they agree to lower them to misdemeanors when they were fairly sizable claims, clear intent? They could have been charged as felonies. The other one was lying on your gun permit application, your background check. And that is generally viewed as pretty serious, particularly in the Biden administration, which has made gun control one of its policy platforms. And so I think the issue here is not so much that what was charged got a lenient sentence, is that they decided to charge at very low levels as part of the plea deal.
4: It does strike me that there are a lot of Americans who are in jail for these violations and that they sort of have a right now to sort of petition and say, hey, can't I get the Hunter's deal? It just strikes me it's so out of the norm, and so many Americans have, in fact, suffered much more serious penalties. How would you explain it to somebody who's sitting in jail?
3: Well, you can't really, and that's the problem. I think the Department of Justice, this is just another indication that it's going to lose and has lost the credibility with the American public, certainly with the half of the American public who feels that they are targeted by the Department of Justice. So I think this is a more systemic problem, a lack of faith in institutions, a view that institutions have become corrupted, including institutions that play critical roles. And the Department of Justice and the FBI have really important things to do. They need to protect the country from people who are threats to our safety. And they can't do that and people can't have faith in it if it appears that they're cutting a sweetheart deal for the son of the president.
4: In the case of the tax issue, as I understand it, he's already paid about a million dollars in back taxes and penalties. Isn't that a fairly significant amount?
3: Well, it's significant, but it's also a case of preparing for this plea. Where did that money come from? There have been reports that there were friends of the family, business associates of the family who paid that money, supporters of the family. So what you have is you have Political allies of the president helping his son pay off an enormous tax debt in order to get a sweetheart deal from the prosecutors. That's not a good appearance.
4: Wouldn't they either have a gift tax problem or an income problem?
3: I don't know about that. I don't know how that would work, how they structured those payments, whether it's a gift tax that would be owed by the person who gave the gift or whether there's something else, some other way they structured it. I just don't know the details of that. But certainly if other people were helping the president's son pay off a tax debt, and then the paying off of the tax debt is used as the reason he gets a plea deal, saying, hey, look, I've already paid it back. I made a mistake and I paid it back. I think that in many ways looks worse than it does right now. But I think that That raises the concern about influence on the office of the president by people who help out his son.
4: So at one level, the Congress ought to be asking the question, where did the money come from?
3: Yes. And I think there were reports about that. I don't remember the person, but there was somebody who I think helped him pay that off. And I think that that needs to be investigated, just like the other payments that were funneled through hunter and through other people to the biden family need to be investigated the big concern here is that those more serious issues the issues that go to whether joe biden as vice president and as presidential candidate essentially sold his office sold his influence to foreign entities and to foreign people who funneled money to the family that's the big issue And I think the concern here is that if the Department of Justice is going to say, "Okay, we've done what we need to do, we're done with Hunter Biden, close the book on it, that's the bigger concern because it's the payoffs to the Biden family that really involve our national security.
4: It does seem to me also there's some confusion because when the deal was announced, Chris Clark, Biden's attorney, said in a statement, quote, with the announcement of two agreements between my client Hunter Biden and the United States Attorney's Office for the District of Delaware. It is my understanding that the five-year investigation into Hunter is resolved, close quote. I think they figured out that would mean the Congress could then ask for all the information because justice could no longer hide behind the ongoing investigation defense. And they promptly then issued a letter saying, oh, no, no, we're still investigating. But I'm now told, although I have not seen the document, that they're actually filing an agreement That nothing that happened before the date of the agreement will be prosecutable.
3: If that's going to happen and if that is not limited in scope, if it's not limited to the gun charge and to the tax charge, then that is very concerning, because that would mean that Hunter Biden escapes responsibility for any of the payoffs that might have taken place, things that might be characterized as bribes to the Biden family. And that lead the government to say case closed on that. So if that's happening, that's extremely concerning.
4: It's been interesting to watch the elite media do everything they can to avoid covering this. But apparently Chairman Comer of the Oversight Investigations Committee has come out and laid out a series of very real things that involve money going to the Bidens. The fact is Comer and the committee argues The bank records show that the Biden family, their business associates, and their companies received over $10 million from foreign nationals and their related companies, and that they apparently had a whole series of companies that were pass-throughs, in essence, trying to avoid figuring out how to follow the money trail, and that what would happen is that foreign companies would send money to business associates companies, and then the Biden family would receive incremental payments over time to different bank accounts. Comer suggests that these complicated financial transactions seem to be designed to conceal the source of the funds and reduce the conspicuousness of the total amounts. And they assert, this again is Chairman Comer of the committee, asserts that the Biden family and associates' activities in Romania alone bear clear indications of a scheme to peddle influence from 2015 to 2017. And it's a fascinating thing. And it's one which the elite media, the New York Times, the Washington Post, people who won Pulitzer Prizes for reporting on the totally phony Russian hoax have worked overtime to avoid covering all of this. But it strikes me that gradually all of this is coming out.
3: It will come out. The question is, is it going to come out before the 2024 presidential election? Just like there was suppression of the information from Hunter Biden's laptop and about his dealings leading up to the 2020 election, I think that's really the question, not will it eventually come out? Is it going to be written by historians or is it going to be written by journalists in real time? And I think what we have seen is at least the mainstream corporate media journalists have no interest in exposing anything that Joe Biden has done that could hurt his election chances.
4: The differences in treatment are just stunning. There's a rapper named Kodak Black who was convicted and charged with three years in prison for precisely the gun charges that Hunter got probation for. And he's actually come out publicly and said, you know, how come there's this dramatic difference in the treatment of the two? And actor Wesley Snipes went to jail for failing to pay taxes from 1999 to 2001. He got three years in prison.
3: There are real problems here with the system that sees not just a quote-unquote important person, but sees a politically connected person, someone connected to the president of the United States, getting favorable treatment. That is not something I think, you know, one of the easiest tests we could do, one of the easiest hypotheticals we could do is to say if his name was Hunter Trump and not Hunter Biden, how would he have been treated? And I think we all know the answer. It's obvious he would have been treated much more harshly. And that's what has people upset. This perception based on what we've seen with our own eyes of how, Democrats get treated more favorably by this Justice Department than do anybody who is either Republican, conservative, right of center, however you want to characterize it, but not a supporter of Joe Biden.
2: LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
4: Hi, this is Newt. In my new book, March the Majority, The Real Story of the Republican Revolution, I offer strategies and insights for everyday citizens and for seasoned politicians. It's both a guide for political success and for winning back the majority in 2024. March to the Majority outlines the 16-year campaign to write the contract with America, explains how we elected the first Republican House majority in 40 years, and how we worked with President Bill Clinton to pass major reforms, including four consecutive balanced budgets. March to the Majority tells the behind-the-scenes story of how we got it done. Go to Gingrich360.com slash book and order your copy now. Order it today at Gingrich360.com slash book. As a professor of law, doesn't this all strike you as almost striking at the very heart of our system?
3: Well, it is because we're a system that relies on the support by the population of these major institutions and what we've seen progressively over the last generation is the hollowing out of these institutions and there are few institutions though that have the power of the Department of Justice. I mean they have law enforcement power, they have investigative power, they have prosecutorial power, they have so much power over our lives that when the Department of Justice is weaponized as a political tool, it is a lot more impactful on the credibility of the government and the faith that people have and so you're right, this goes to something that strikes at the heart of our system of government if the prosecutors are viewed as politically corrupted
4: one of the side stories that's beginning to bubble out is that there's an IRS whistleblower who argues that the Biden administration was deliberately mishandling the Hunter Biden investigation he's told lawmakers that he had information that suggested that the Biden administration was deliberately mishandling it now since then as i understand it the FBI has convinced the IRS to close down The entire investigation, which would be sort of, I think, extraordinary.
3: It would. If you have a whistleblower, you would think that that person would be not just protected by the laws, but would be permitted to come forward. A whistleblower who is alleging political influence in favor of the son of the president, who now just got a sweetheart deal from the Department of Justice. If these things are true, and hopefully these people will be able to come forward That whistleblower is obviously being very cautious because he doesn't want to find himself or herself on the wrong end of a Department of Justice prosecution. So they've got to be very careful. But that needs to come out and it needs to come out soon. It needs to come out long before the 2024 election, because we can't have another situation like we did with Hunter Biden's laptop where It's not just suppressed. It's not just having people deplatformed or silenced on social media. We actually had 50 former intelligence officials mislead the public by saying that the laptop looked like Russian disinformation when it's been verified. Nobody's claiming that anymore. And it definitely influenced the election. So this needs to come out. And it needs to come out soon.
4: The supervisor of the IRS wrote a letter to Congress. And he said in part, and I'm quoting him now, his letter contradicts sworn testimony to Congress by a senior political appointee. Two, it involves failure to mitigate clear conflicts of interest in the ultimate disposition of the case. And three, details examples of preferential treatment and politics improperly infecting decisions and protocols that would normally be followed by career law enforcement professionals in similar circumstances if the subject were not politically connected. Now, that's a fairly explosive indictment from the inside. And as you said, I think the various potential witness blowers are frankly afraid for themselves that this is a system which not only protects a Hunter Biden, but which is willing to go after people in pretty aggressive ways. You know, having an entire FBI SWAT team show up at your house at four o'clock in the morning.
3: That's right. And so, I don't practice law in the area of whistleblower protections, but it's a very tricky area. And if you misstep and if you reveal particularly IRS otherwise protected information in the course of being a whistleblower and you haven't dotted every I and crossed every T, you could find yourself being prosecuted for violating those privacy statutes. So this is a very dangerous sort of thing. And what we do know is that had the whistleblower been alleging that the children of Donald Trump were getting favorable treatment during the Trump administration from the IRS, I think this would have all been out. I think it would have been out on the table. I think the whistleblower would have been hailed as a hero, would have had numerous groups protecting him or her. But it's a very skewed system that we have that if you're going to blow the whistle on a major Democratic party politician, and particularly someone related to the president of the United States, you need to be very cautious. And that's going to be a concern here that what's going to happen to this whistleblower when it does all come out.
4: From that standpoint, do you think the system is worse than it used to be?
3: I think confidence in the system is a lot worse than it used to be. The FBI, unfortunately, does have a long history of doing bad things in addition to the many good things that it does. But I don't think that I can recall, at least in the recent 20, 30 years, it's being as politicized as it is now. You remember James Comey, the then director of the FBI, went to the White House right after Donald Trump was inaugurated to try to set Donald Trump up on the Steele dossier so it could be leaked to the press. I mean, that's unthinkable. That the director of the FBI would try to set up the president of the United States for political purposes. So yes, I think it is a lot worse. I think Trump derangement syndrome has, in many ways, broken whatever procedures and policies the FBI and the Department of Justice used to follow. And yeah, I think it is worse. I can't say than ever, but it's certainly worse than it's been in the last twenty or thirty years.
4: It's very striking to me watching Mary Garland. As Attorney General and watching the misuse of the Justice Department and the FBI, the only Attorney General to go to jail was John Mitchell, and it was for obstruction of justice. And it was part of the Watergate process in which 46 officials went to jail. And I look at all this stuff and I think, you know, if you get to a real house cleaning and you get somebody who comes in who really is serious about finding out what was done, both what was done to attack conservatives and what was done to protect corrupt people on the Democratic side, you could have a number of people at Justice and at the FBI who have much greater vulnerability, I think, than they currently think. I think there's a kind of, as a historian, I think there's a kind of arrogance that they can't quite imagine this can ever blow back on them.
3: That's right. I think highlights the importance of regaining the Republicans regaining the White House, regaining the executive branch, because None of this will come out ever unless that happens. The Congress isn't going to be able to get to that sort of information. And there will be nobody to prosecute it, even if the information did come out. So I think that, you know, we always like to say that every presidential election is the most important ever. But this is a really important one. I mean, if Republicans do not regain control of the executive branch, all of the abuses of Merrick Garland will not only continue, but will never be prosecuted, will never be disclosed, and it will simply compound itself.
4: Well, and historically, corruption tends to grow and grow and grow. Once people learn they get away with things, they become more arrogant, more risk-taking, and in a way, more overbearing. And I think all of that is a real danger. How important are the investigations by the House Republicans?
3: They're important because they're all we have. We have no other means of investigating. So the problem is the executive branch is not going to cooperate. Private citizens are going to try to stall it. So there will be a huge slow walk. The Department of Justice is not going to be forthcoming with information. We've seen that already. The FBI is not going to be forthcoming with information. And when they do come forward with information, nobody has confidence that they're actually giving us the full picture. So the House is, at this moment in time, all we have to investigate these things, and I think they need to expend whatever resources they have to to try to ferret out Biden family corruption, the politicization of the executive, the Department of Justice, and to try to get to these. Whether they're successful in it remains to be seen, but they're all we have and we need to use that.
0: our free shipping and 100 satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too shop blinds.com right now and save up to 45 percent up to 45 percent off for a limited time at blinds.com blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply
4: are you surprised that we've gotten to this place
3: I'm not really surprised because one of the things that I've studied is what has happened to the education system and how that has migrated into the more general culture. So the education system has been hollowed out by progressive academia, and that has now made its way into the more general culture and the political process. So a lot of us, myself particularly, did not really understand what was going on dating back to at least the 1980s. A lot of people would say the late 60s in academia and how that has translated into a hollowing out of institutions and a politicization of institutions because education has become highly political. And you had now two to three generations of students who've come through that system. And those are the people who are now at the Department of Justice Those are the students who graduated law school 15, 20 years ago, are now in important positions of power. My law school classmate, Jay Bratt, is leading the prosecution of Donald Trump in Florida. He spent his entire career in the federal government. So there's that saying that collapse happens slowly and then quickly. There are variations on that phrase. And I think we're now in the very quickly phase of things.
4: I mean, it does seem to me it's becoming more and more stark and more and more obvious. As we look at it,
3: because it's now impacted so obviously our political process, it's no longer just an individual being mistreated, which is bad enough, but it's now really impacting our elections. It's impacting who can run for office. How they can run for office it's impacting the ability to criticize people who run for office nobody ever got prosecuted or disbarred which is the latest push for claiming that the russians stole the 2016 election yet there are people who are going to lose their bar licenses for claiming something similar for the 2020 election so every cultural institution has now been weaponized for politics, including the bar associations, including the American Bar Association.
4: My understanding is that there's an organized group that is methodically attacking Republican lawyers.
3: Yes, David Brock. David Brock formed a group whose explicit purpose, and this is not secret, he announced it, he's proud of it, that their purpose is to get lawyers who represented Trump or Republicans in 2020 election contests disbarred. And John Eastman is now on trial with the California bar. The trial is going on, I think, as we speak to disbar him for the legal theories he put forward with regard to the ability of the vice president to contest the certification of electors. Now, you can agree with him or disagree with him, but proposing novel theories of the law trying to advance theories of the law that are not currently accepted is a long tradition. It's how the law has changed over time. But now that has become an offense that could cost you your career, but only in one direction, only if you're viewed as right of center, can advancing a legal theory that is not currently accepted be cause for you to lose your license.
4: The idea that they want to make it prohibitively dangerous to have representation really strikes at the very heart of our civilization.
3: That's right, Republicans and conservatives have trouble finding law firms to represent them. You probably recall the DOMA, L- Defensive Marriage Act litigation, where the Justice Department reversed course and said, we're no longer gonna defend this law, even though that's their job is to defend legislation. And the Republicans in the House had trouble finding a law firm. They hired Paul Clements, brilliant conservative lawyer, at King and Spalding, and then King and Spalding came under such pressure from activist groups, attacks not just on the law firm, but also on their clients, that they rejected the representation. And Paul Clements had to leave King and Spalding to set up his own firm to continue to represent the House of Representatives. And that happens all the time, that the activists will target law firms, they'll organize boycotts at law schools that they shouldn't be able to recruit at the law school. So the, the notion that I was brought up on having graduated in 1984, that representing unpopular people is actually one of the things lawyers are supposed to do, no longer holds sway. And that's another indication of how politicized every aspect of life has become.
4: Hunter Biden's attorney released a statement after the plea deal. I'm quoting from Hunter Biden's attorney, quote, with the announcement of two agreements between my client, Hunter Biden, and the United States Attorney's Office for the District of Delaware, it is my understanding that the five-year investigation into Hunter is resolved, close quote. That sounds like he's claiming every question about Hunter is now wrapped up in this deal. How would you read that?
3: Well, I think we have to know more. And as you've indicated, we need to actually see the agreements. It would be truly shocking if essentially Hunter Biden is now receiving a universal pardon for everything he's done in his life up until now, as opposed to resolution of very specific charges based on very specific conduct. So we need to know what those agreements are and presumably, hopefully, they will be revealed in court with an opportunity for the public to try to, at least from a public opinion point of view, if not a legal point of view, contest them.
4: Is it possible that the U.S. attorney would file the agreements under seal?
3: I think that would be not something that is likely to hold up. These do not involve national security. They do not involve classified information. There's no justification for sealing the otherwise public criminal plea of a citizen unless there's something else here. And so I don't think that would be permitted. And if it would be permitted, I would hope that various news organizations would contest that and would try to get that unsealed.
4: I don't know how it would play out in court, but at that point, I suspect the House would try to subpoena it and probably end up in the Supreme Court.
3: Well, if the Department of Justice agreed to seal, to try to keep sealed the terms of Hunter Biden's plea agreement. That would be truly shocking, and that would be just another indication that what's happening here is an attempt to protect the Biden family as opposed to see justice done.
4: I really want to thank you for joining me and for helping us understand the ins and outs of the Hunter Biden plea deal and what we can expect next. I think this thing is going to go on for a good while and have a lot of twists and turns, and I hope we will be able to convince you to come back and share your knowledge and your insights again.
3: I look forward to it. Thank you for having me on.
4: Thank you to my guest, Professor William Jacobson. You can learn more about Hunter Biden's plea deal on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newsworld World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeart Media. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newtsworld, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World.
2: They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. DTDL report where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. plus. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag
0: is in the air and we are underway the Great American
5: Race. The Motor Racing Network.
0: Zumo. Zumo Play.